So in an industry full of huge egos and people who have both personally and sort of financially invested in movies, how hard is it to go to someone and say, well, the data says, like, no one's going to go see your movie? People, not just in Hollywood, people come at anything with their own biases. And it's very hard to kind of break that down. You know, there have been times where we've run numbers, um, you know, on movies. There's a movie coming out in the future. I can't really say what it is. And it, 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 it didn't score nearly as well as what similar films have ever scored. Is it, is it Star Wars? Yes, it's Star Wars. <laughs> but I can't say that it's Star Wars. And, and the reaction from the executives was a, a little more questioning of them, the methodology. and you know, Yeah, all of a sudden they become Bayesian experts. Yeah. Hello, my name is Jody Avergan. I'm the host of 538's podcast, What's the Point? Those of you listening in the 538 feed probably aren't surprised that I'm here, but those of you listening on Grantland, uh, we're here because this is a special cross-pod with What's the Point and Andy Greenwald of Hollywood Prospectus and uh, the Andy Greenwald, the cleverly titled Andy Greenwald podcast. That way they can't fire me from it. Right, exactly. Um, but Andy, I'm, I'm excited. Welcome to the world of data and uh, brushed metal. And, and Thank you. It feels great. Great to be here with you. It feels great to be behind a desk, and I look forward to being like the the the, the voice of the scrappy fan. You know what I mean? Like I'll be the David yeah. Eckstein. You're like it's all about based. heart, and yeah. I'm all about I'm all about clubhouse stuff right. and intangibles. But right, uh, so we're here. We kind of have the 538 look going, but we're doing this uh, cross pod because we uh, my show is about how data affects our lives, and your show is about Hollywood and culture and and movies and TV. And we found someone to interview who kind of sits right in the Venn diagram of those two worlds. And joining us from LA is Josh Lynn, who runs a company called Piedmont Media Research, which I guess uses data uh, to create an algorithm to predict how movies are going to do. Josh, did I describe that correctly? Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good summation. Um, yeah, what what our company really does is, you know, we'll do original research. We'll try to get sentiment on how people are feeling about movie ideas and movie concepts, literally just from the initial idea stage. And so the whole point of it is to try to determine from a really, really early point in time, is this an idea that people are even interested in? Is this something that looks like it's going to do well in the theaters? Is this something that people should actually even try to pursue? But you said that that's from when it's just an idea. I mean, how much exactly. information are you working from in so order to be able to predict? The way I describe it is it's almost a couple of paragraph description of what the basic plot is. So, you know, it is essentially what you would get out from a trailer. So we don't need to know. We don't even want to know really every single you know point of the plot of what's going to happen that's not really something that if you kind of take a step back and think about it that people really know going in when they're making their decision uh, on whether to see a movie or not what you're really looking to get is you know the main characters the basic plot the genre the tone you know those kinds of things so literally it, it is basically like a textual description of what a trailer would give you so how do you build this algorithm you show this description to someone and they score it in some way. And well, yeah, yeah. So, so really, what we do is, you know, we go out to a representative sample of the ticket buying population, and so you know, we're going out to a thousand, you know, up to about fifteen hundred people at a time, broken down by age, by gender, by ethnicity, by just a whole host of different uh, demographic cuts. And what we're really looking at is 
how they're feeling about what this idea is. Uh, the metric, I should have mentioned it before, is called the consumer engagement metric. Essentially, what we're doing is making what's usually very subjective into something that's a little more objective. Is there any point in your work and your involvement with the industry where you are taking numbers from people who have seen the movie or seen any part of the movie? No, the whole idea is not to. Now, you know, it's just like I, a pure description. Yeah, okay, it's, it's I wasn't sure if you began that and then you walked through every step of the way with them. No. No, right. no. You know, the, the whole point of what we do, um, when we first started this, we we decided we wanted to test out at the earliest possible point in time. So, you know, basically, with as little information as possible, just this description, how accurate is this? How accurate are these numbers? And we've been doing this for, I'd say, about five years now. And we've got about 700 plus major movies in our database. And the correlation of our overall numbers that we'll get, the correlation of the consumer engagement scoring to opening weekend box office is about 0.72, which is really pretty high. Now, we actually ran correlations on other factors. You know, the next highest, I think, came in, it was about 0.55 for... It was production budget and uh, theater count. Now, quality uh, as a measure of audience reception, just sort of depending on how you look at it, it's it's about a 0.37, 0.38 correlation. Um, <laughs> you know, depressing it, to me. Quality yeah. has a oh. 0.37 correlation. Yeah, great but, news. <laughs> seriously, that's actually not an insignificant number, though. That's a pretty sizable number. It's not it's not yeah, everything, but, but you know, it, it, it is it is actually kind of notable, and it's a little bit higher than you know critics. Andy, take you, note. Oh, I I, I admit. <laughs> going in that I'm useless. Um, (laughs) Just a question uh, going a little bit bigger picture. So a a motion picture studio will hire your firm to basically road test possible movies that they might be interested in making. Right, right. So they're they're, they're floating the idea before they make the investment in the production. Yeah, ideally, that's, uh, you know, the way that you would want to use something like this. Now, you can use it at really any point in time. to my mind, the most use that you get out of this and the most use that, you know, companies that we've worked with have gotten from this has been from that initial, um, you know, point where you've got something in development, you've got something that you're thinking about buying the rights to, uh, something that you're just kind of looking at and trying to figure out, is this something that we should pursue, you know, and, and really looking at it from, you know, a little more of a fine point as opposed to, you know, three or four guys in a room, all who are about the same age, all living in, let's say, Los Angeles, kind of looking around saying, is this something that we think is a good idea? Yeah, sure. Why not? I like it. Do you like it? I like it, too. Let's do it. You know, everyone seems to think that their baby is beautiful, right? Um, everyone thinks that their movie is different. If, you know, if you hear a, a score that you didn't like necessarily, a lot of times, you know, kind of the pushback that we would get is, well, okay, yeah, but, you know, they haven't seen the trailer. This can change. This will change. What I would say to that is that literally 98% of the time, it doesn't change. I would say the only time something changes is when there's something that you really sort of get visually out across in a trailer um, or just something which, you know, is being presented in a very different way in a trailer than you would normally get. So, you know, a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy, um, that movie scored very solidly for us, not super off the charts. Now, that's one of the few movies that we've ever run twice. When the trailer for that movie came out, I wanted to run that one again because I knew my reaction was, holy shit, this is like the one movie I need to see this year. Now, that doesn't always happen. Everyone, you know, would tend to think that their movie, that's the movie you're going to have that reaction to. 
really that happens so infrequently. Um, but so when we ran it a second time after the trailer was out there and just sort of seeing how people were responding to this movie now, what this concept was, with the trailer having been put out there into the world, you know, the numbers, I think they, they almost doubled. Is it also possible then to extract information on where they don't need to invest? Because if there's a movie they're already going to make and something like Star Wars, which, you know, the brand awareness is high with everyone. But if there's a movie right, that, right. for example, they a studio could save money if they don't need to advertise to, say, you know, um, comic book crazed teenage boys because yeah. they already know about it. So instead they can put more money into attracting a different audience. Can, yeah. can you no, go that no, fine with the data? I, I think that's that's actually a really good use for, for what we do. I remember one of the movies that we that we looked at early was a uh, uh, it was a battleship. Um, which overall scored eh, it was pretty much on the low end. It scored decently with guys, but basically it scored literally almost in the indie uh, area with females. Now, you know, in general, women, I think, make up about 51, 52% of the overall ticket buying population. So to basically put 200 plus million dollars into a movie where half of your audience is scoring this film literally in the indie range, that's kind of crazy and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, it's the kind of thing where what you can do is, you know, if you've already made that decision and you've made that movie, you can then start to go, you know, as time goes on, look at who you're reaching, you know, who you're not reaching and start to get a little bit finer there and see, okay, well, now, you know, we know we really need to try to bring women up. And that's when they start to put Rihanna in the trailers. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. <In> or <laughs> tell, tell Taylor Kitsch to take his shirt off, depending. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or both. You mentioned that this is kind of really part of a whole ecosystem and this whole chain of creating and marketing a movie. Are there any right, right. movies coming out this fall or came out this summer that kind of um, illustrate the way that you – sort of corrected the course uh, for a movie that it was headed in one direction and your algorithm said, actually, this should be this kind of film or actually you're going to make more money than you thought or lose more money than you thought. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that, that does kind of happen all the time where, where you see based on the numbers, um, you can look at something and, and determine, okay, wait, this is, you know, looking to do very, very well or looking to do very poorly. Now, again, you know, our, our numbers that we'll, we'll do research on, the way I sort of describe what we do, it's very similar to, I think, what Nate Silver does at 538, Good. where... We have a quote of mentioning Nate's name, <laughs> once so thank you for... for yeah, for no, no, I, I just marked it off the list. No, it's, uh, you know, a, a lot of the work that he does, um, you know, what he's doing, the presidential uh, modeling, let's just say, is sort of equalizing out the polls. Then he's sort of taking those numbers, right, and supplementing them in, you know, a, a regression model, in, you know, a, a further predictive model with other factors that matter as well. That's kind of the same thing that we're looking at and that we're doing. The only real difference is that polls don't really exist for movies, so we're the ones creating the polls. If we run with the analogy to what Nate does, I think one of the places where it gets interesting and hairy is when Nate does his or 538 does their polling analysis and goes to someone who's passionate about a candidate and says, you know, hate to break it to you, but Bernie Sanders is probably not going to be president. Uh, so, right. you know, <laughs> in an industry full of, you know, huge egos and people who have both personally and sort of financially invested in movies, how hard is it to go to someone and say, well, the data says like, no one's going to go see your movie. Uh, you know what? It's it's interesting. You know, uh, people not just in Hollywood, but you know, sort of in general, people sort of come at anything with their own biases, and it's very hard to kind of break that down. And so, you know, we've we've had experiences where if we've told people sort of what they've wanted to hear, they'll tend to very naturally agree with what it was, and you know, right. think, "Hey, great job, guy." 
you know, there have been times where we've run numbers, um, you know, on movies. There's a movie coming out in the future. I can't really say what it is. And it, 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 it didn't score nearly as well as what similar films is it, is it Star Wars? Scored? Yes, it's Star Wars. <laughs> but I can't say that it's Star Wars. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and the reaction from, you know, the executives was, I don't want to say indignant, but a little more questioning of than the methodology. And you know. Yeah. All of a sudden, they become Bayesian experts. Yeah. And this happens in, like, you know, in doing this show over and over, you hear about this. This happens all the time in, in the analytics world is that the people who are on the other side of it hear what they want to hear and then all of a sudden start to question it when it doesn't go their way. And so there's just biases yeah, for sure. throughout. And at some level, you just like, can't get past those. Yeah. And, you know, my, my job is basically to give people the information. So I, I don't have a dog in, in, you know, any of these fights. I'm, I'm just a reporter pretty much. So, you know, we'll run the numbers. And, you know, a lot of times people will ask me, well, why? Why this? Why, why did this group not score a film as well as, you know, we would have liked it to? You know, my answer a lot of times is I don't know. My job isn't to know why. My job is to know what. And this is what it's saying. So to, to take a specific example, um, I'd like to talk to you about the film called Fantastic Four. Um, Great example, yeah. <laughs> to, to my mind, from an outsider's perspective, right. this was a train wreck going off the rails and bursting into flames from day one. <laughs> um, my question is, from your perspective, is that an accurate reading of the situation? Um, and B, what does your job then become offering advice on what they can do to salvage pieces from this flaming wreckage um, that everyone sees coming from a mile away. Well, so to answer the first question, uh, as a fan, yeah, I had the same reaction that you had where I, you know, I was sort of following the storyline and sort of following what was going on with it. You know, as a fan, I really loved the movie Chronicle. And so I really wanted to give Josh Trank the benefit of the doubt. Right. And I, but you know, I could see the direction. But how did it score in your score? It actually scored very well. And that's, right. I mean, to me, it feels like, why wouldn't it score well? If you, but if score, you put score it well down on paper when? and say... This is, this is basically, um, you know, I actually remember the numbers on that one. Um, so... You know, we'll we'll run movies two different ways. Um, okay. The first one we'll run is the concept for a movie on its own. And then we'll also run the concept with the names of actors attached. So we can uh, actually now start to quantify and figure out so, how much actors are either adding or subtracting from oh, any see. given particular project. So, so specifically in the case of Fantastic Four, there is a mm -hmm. moment, some point, whether it was two years ago or a year and a half ago, where what you're testing is people's interest and desire in engaging with another Fantastic Four movie. Exactly. You're saying, exactly. So, here's the concept. You've seen it before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you have Would you want to see another one? Right. So, so to kind of break down our process with that movie as a good example, um, you know, we're going out to a representative sample of the ticket buying population. Some people have seen the movies, you know, the earlier ones. Some people haven't. I don't know. That's not a question that we're asking. Mm -hmm. We're breaking it down by demographics. And all we're getting to, you know, once we scale our numbers together is how are people responding? How are people feeling about what this movie is? And basically giving it a number. So in the case of Fantastic Four, um, as a concept, the movie scored, it was about a 385, which is pretty good. Um, you know, just... 
you know, a real baseline sense for what that number translates to in terms of box office. I would say, you know, 70, 70 plus million dollar opening weekend box office. Now, that movie, uh, the concept with the actors attached dropped it down actually to about <laughs> 320. So what that basically means is you've got these actors who are in this movie who are being paid to essentially lose the film money off of, you know, what its baseline score was. So wait, was. you're saying that if it had had complete no names – Neutral, just like neutral actors, right, they exactly. would have done better. Um, yeah, I don't want to say if it had like stick figures in it, um, but yeah, if it had, I mean, literally, you know, again, as long as you're making a comparison um, between similar items, and you know, you're, you're changing one thing, which in this case is you know the names of the members of the cast and the director. Mm-hmm. You you can now find out and you can isolate basically what that impact is. So, so it went from like a 380 down to a 320. What interests um, me about those numbers, though, is that I would imagine if you are a um, confident, let's say, or arrogant, we could also <laughs> say Hollywood producer. Uh, that's probably redundancy. Um, <laughs> you hear that you have a known property. Right. And you have a baseline figure that is workable then you think that what you bring to it and the creative people you entrust right. can then get it over the finish line. If you begin right. from a baseline of 70 or suddenly dropping to 55, you have to think then, well, we've hired a visionary director. We're going to have special sure. effects. We're going to hit summer. People like comic book movies. You're going to bring in your own intangibles to right. build exactly. on your model as opposed to contradicting your model. Right. Now, now one of the pieces that goes into really any predictive model and you know, getting aside from the numbers aspect of it, it just kind of makes intuitive sense is – how good is this movie? Once it comes out, how, how do people like this? That's going to matter because there's going to be a range of outcomes that you're going to get. So let's just say Fantastic Four scoring a 320. Let's just say that it had gotten like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. That movie probably would have opened to about 70 million, give or take, whatever it would have been with actually putting it into a fuller model. Now, the word of mouth on this, aside from having the director basically – Badmouth the movie in a tweet the day before it opened saying, I had a great vision. Too bad this isn't it. Um, and, and really, the word of mouth on this in, in a subjective sense was this is the worst comic book movie that's been out in 20 years. If you want to get a little more quantitative, looking at Rotten Tomatoes, I think it ended up with like an 8%. Um, and the audience reviews were almost as bad. Um, so now putting that into a fuller, in, into a fuller model – with our number of, you know, about a 320, now it's going to come in at the way, way lower end of that. And so, you know, again, going back to sort of what Nate does at 538, putting it together into sort of a, a regression model with other variables. And you can actually see, you know, based on the correlations, how much other factors matter or don't matter. Can I ask you a, a different example then? That the, yeah, something sure. in the opposite direction, which is American Hustle which was an Oscar-nominated movie that um, David O. Russell directed, Jennifer Lawrence, um, Bradley Cooper, right, right. and, and, and uh, Jeremy Renner and others. That movie ended up grossing over $150 million at the box office, despite not being a comic book, despite being a period piece, <laughs> right, um, right. and despite being kind of unclassifiable in a lot of ways. So what I'm wondering then, in terms of your model, is this an example of a film that the, the, the response that the studio got when they floated it is that people weren't anti the idea of a movie about graft in the 1970s and then all the intangibles that we're talking about took it over the finish line to a number that no one expected or is this something that is beyond science because when it when jennifer lawrence says i want to make this movie the studio's like well we want to make something that we don't actually recognize in that plot that is actually 
attractive. Um, you know, from what I remember, American Hustle scored pretty well. And, you know, I think it did increase a pretty decent amount, maybe about 15, 20% with the names of actors in there. Right. Um, sure. And so, you know, that's the number that you're sort of looking at when you're making projections. You know, I think the word of mouth on that was pretty good. I think also the specific path that it took. It was basically, you know, I think they made the play for it to be, you know, this Academy Award nominated, you know, big end of year film. And so once they opened it and, you know, it sort of got that treatment and it started getting, you know, that much more press. You know, when you're when you're doing modeling, you're not modeling an outcome as much as you're modeling a pathway to an outcome. Mm -hmm. So you're then going to sort of look at how other movies that have sort of gone that that same route successfully, you know, have ended up doing. You mentioned American Hustle, and it reminds me of another movie. Actually, Josh, you and I were emailing about earlier this week, and Straight Out of Compton, which was a movie that right, you right. said scored really well, and right. strikes me as a movie that kind of like old school Hollywood would maybe be afraid of making. Mm -hmm. And your sort of data cuts through that and says, no, like there's an audience for this. And then clearly, it now in retrospect, after its huge opening weekend, we say, well, duh, there's an audience for this. So. This is to me like the most interesting place for the work that you're doing, which is where your data butts up against kind of conventional Hollywood wisdom and the four sure. guys in suits that you were talking about sitting around the table. So do you have other examples of, of BS wisdom that you've kind of started to upend? Um, by, by nature of what we do and what we can do, it's very particular to each particular project. So you know, you can try to make sort of assumptions. And I think that's sort of what people in Hollywood will oftentimes tend to do for lack of better data and for back, you know, for lack of better information. And what we really try to do is get to the heart of a particular project. Let me give you a counter for that, um, that I think is sort of similar. Sure. Um, because, you know, purely from a creative point of view, um, not at all involved in the business, not from a business point of view, the, the, sort of the, the one element of what you're doing that sounds a little scary is that you could potentially talk studios out of investing in original creative visions Absolutely. because they just don't necessarily see the, the money for it. You know However, the, oh, go ahead, please. On oh, that point. no, no. I, I would say I would actually disagree with that. Um, you know, the thing that we're able to do and, you know, really the heart of what this is, is making better decisions from an earlier point in time. So really the whole, the whole point of this is to model in a more accurate way. Now, are you going to be right modeling anything a hundred percent of the time? Absolutely not. That's not really the point of statistical modeling. The point of it is to sort of narrow the range of, of possible outcomes and to get more accurate, uh, defensible information, really. Um, a movie like RIPD, which I'm sure, you know, the studio which okayed it for, you know, $200 million, Universal, I'm sure they were thinking like, well, okay, this is basically Men in Black meets uh, Ghostbusters. Like, how can we go wrong? When we ran the numbers on that, it was literally about half of what a uh, a movie of that scope should score. Or, or what about Cowboys and Aliens, which they were like, well, it has Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> what could go wrong? So I, I think I'm convinced that this algorithm can sort of, like you were just saying, uh, dissuade someone from making something that they're convinced will be a hit. But yeah. I think I share your hesitation or worry that this could potentially crowd out original ideas or taking a chance. Which, because, by the way, has already been crowded out. I, right, I which has already been crowded out. And so maybe it's just a matter of, like, I hope that your algorithm would provide a path towards doing original oh, yeah. content, and maybe it doesn't. But, like, if it's about what audiences want, I mean, the whole problem is that Hollywood only does what audiences want. And if we just keep repeating that, and if the data going in is this is what audience no, the, wants, the thing, then it's the going to spit out to the same old thing. Not necessarily. I would say not necessarily. Um, you know, again, Hollywood Hollywood is a business, right? So 
you know, it really just comes down to, you know, on, on the people with the money, it comes down to, can we make money back on our investment? Now, you know, the creative side of it is, is a whole different element. And, you know, that's the argument you guys are making. Um, the thing that I would say to that is, again, when you're putting something into a model, you're getting a baseline for how people are feeling about what this concept is. Now, if you have a great script, if you know the script is really, really good, now that's going to be a factor that goes into a model. That's going to be sort of a supplemental factor. Quality does matter. You've you've mentioned a couple times uh, that actors can move the needle in right, in certain right. directions, and that and that's kind of a way that you can expand the data set and and, and get another round of yeah. reaction. And um, I don't, I see. I, I'm sure you get the like Moneyball analogy all the time, and anyone who works in data gets the like it's the Moneyball of X or whatever. You but actually, what? the, the yeah. elevator pitch for this is literally Moneyball for movies. I'm, I mean, it's a very attractive uh, elevator pitch for sure. But one of the things that actually Moneyball was really good at pointing out, one of the lessons of it is that it's it's about identifying uh, undervalued and overvalued assets. And so when I think about Moneyball and the analogy to you, I think about actors and whether that you can sort of point and say, okay, here's an overvalued asset in Hollywood or here's an undervalued asset Um, in Hollywood. You know, I I would say that, you know, from all the movies that we've looked at, you know, one actor that totally comes to mind and, you know, again, you know, the sort of more extreme examples in either direction, you know, a lot of times are very common knowledge or, Stop you know, being such wisdom. a nuanced data game. Just tell us who it is. <laughs> uh, Denzel Washington. Every movie that we've run with his name in it has increased the score of that film as a concept by anywhere from 30 to 40%. Didn't matter what it was. Now, so it should could he be, be getting paid more than what he's... Well, I'm assuming he's getting paid I, I, a lot, again, right? Again, oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he's making minimum wage. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's somebody, again, you can model out what somebody now adds to a particular project and figure out, let's say you're running a Monte Carlo simulation based on these numbers and you're looking at the, you know, the 50% median level now in a likely scenario, you know, how much money is this person likely to add? And you can actually start to quantify not just, Hey, this guy is worth $20 million overall, but okay. In this project, you know, with this budget and, you know, these are the parameters we're working with. This is what it looks like. He adds relative to Sam Worthington. So you can actually look and see, okay, Sam Worthington, let's say a $2 million dollars, you know, is it worth it to spend the extra $8 million, you know, for Brad Pitt in this project? Does this um, creep you out at all? Like this trading of... Well, no, Sam Worthington <laughs> has negative... No, I, no, I know. <laughs> this goes back to sort of the little part of unease I have with all this, which is that... Oh, I'm extremely uneasy. Yeah. <laughs> there's this sort of seductive nature of data. And right, right. that when you're sitting there with what feels like empiricism, you all of a sudden can gird your sort of decisions, especially when they reinforce conventional wisdom with that data yeah, and all of a sudden it that, that conventional wisdom gets hardened and i worry then in a weird way it actually ends up like moneyball kind of became its own conventional wisdom and it became this doctrinaire thing and all of a sudden it people aren't thinking another possible creative well, the thing, the although thing the movie of moneyball did pretty well the movie of moneyball did oh that was a fantastic movie um right. no no the thing that i would say you know i because this is very similar i think to the whole sabermetrician you know yeah. rise and the whole argument you know between you know the numbers geeks and you know the agents who are sort of the hard-bitten guys who you know actually go out and watch the guy play and i've been doing this for 30 years and you know the best scene in Moneyball, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's a great scene. Um, But, you know, it's something where you've you've got people who, you know, it's 
really genuinely do believe that, you know, listen, there's no way your numbers can tell me anything. There's no way your, you know, fancy algorithm can tell me something. You know, I've got to see this guy play. I've got to get a sense for what this is. You know, I'm the person who put Cameron Diaz in Bad Teacher. You know, I, I had a sense that this was going to work and it did. You know, and the thing is also, yeah. But, you know, I, it's the kind of thing where, you know, sometimes if it's right, you know, people people will remember the successes and they don't remember the ones that didn't work or there's a reason why it didn't work. So wait, you told us that Denzel can boost the movie, but I want to hear yeah, the flip side. Who's the, who's the famous <laughs> person who's dragging movies down? You know what? I, I would say, honestly, again, it's it's generally a case-by-case basis. and that, kind. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean... Oh, he was going to eat you out, man. you got to <laughs> learn to talk shit. Well, there's also... I would imagine there's less there's less data because if you star in two movies that bomb, you don't get right. to star in as many, ten more well, right, to create but, no, the but there's trail that, that classic Hollywood thing of like, how does this person keep getting movies? Right. Well, you know, again, you know, I'll, I'll tell you some Sex examples. And drugs and agents. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, Denzel was one of the few who every single time it's right. pretty much the same thing. Um, Sandra Bullock is a really good example of it being very project dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, her and Melissa McCarthy, the alchemy of the two of them together in that movie, The Heat, that was the single biggest jump that we've ever seen where uh, that movie jumped about 90 percent in wow. its scoring from concept. And part of that was due to the fact that the concept for The Heat was not something people were very interested in you put those two in it together it jumped up about 90 percent higher now you can start to figure out now okay was it melissa mccarthy was it sandra bullock how would this score if it was melissa mccarthy and jenny mccarthy how would it score if it was you know sandra bullock and sharon stone you can start kind of playing around and and making comparisons does it get as fine as something like interstellar which is another movie that was an original concept made over 150 million dollars right right Uh, christopher nolan cast matthew mcconaughey before what we came to call the McConaissance when right, it started. Right. He hit it at the right time. You can't necessarily predict that, but is that something where you told people there's an outer space movie with Christopher Nolan and McConaughey moves it or doesn't move it, and then later he does? That movie, that movie, I, I remember the scoring on that. And again, it was, it was the director and the actors in it together. So it was McConaughey, it was Christopher Nolan. Now, you can get a little bit finer and try to figure out Okay, now just the name Christopher Nolan, what does this maybe mean? Just the name Matthew McConaughey, what does this mean? But we were sort of looking, you know, in that case at the whole picture. And mm-hmm. so that one actually increased, I want to say, about 25% with, you know, the names of the cast and the director attached to it. I think we can start to, to wrap up, but I just want to. Look forward. I mean, we've looked at a bunch of examples in the past. Do you want to just give us a little preview of the fall? Uh, and you sure, mentioned Star sure. Wars. Star Wars is going to, we're not going to, yeah, surprisingly, accept Star Wars, that Star Wars <laughs> yeah. is going to make a lot of money. You got to give us some, something um, a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, of uh, note. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you a couple that we looked at that were coming up. Um, you know, there's a movie, Pan, which is coming out, mm-hmm. which I don't want to say that it's going to do badly. Uh, it's, scored- I saw the trailer and I will say that it's going to do I- I'm also going to say when you invite <laughs> critics to, review it a certain way in the title of your movie you're in trouble <laughs> feel like that they probably should have thought that through and the, and the title backwards is what i'm going to be doing throughout the movie <laughs> and let me just say if we are your friends with zach efron had been called rave maybe oh, it would have gotten better reviews interesting okay <laughs> um no, no no pan pan for for the budget that it has um you know it's looking fairly weak um, you know, the, that type of a film, I think for our scale, we'd want to see it score about a 250. It scored about a 200. Now, you know, that still means it's going to make some money. And again, you know, if it gets great reviews, if it gets, you know, terrible reviews, that's going to kind of push it up to the sort of, you know, slightly higher end, slightly lower end. It's in your hands now, Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, Pan. 
Um, there were a couple that, uh, that I'm trying to remember that looked pretty strong. Uh, Bridge of Spies, which it's Spielberg and Tom Hanks. To my mind, um, I didn't think that that was actually going to be one that that looked to do all that well. It just didn't seem that interesting to me. That scored very well, you know, especially for the type of film that it was. And I would say the trailer uh, was very effective in changing my mind about what the movie was going to be. Oh, I mean, okay. Again, that's, that's subjective, but I, 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 like you, I read it, and it seemed very uh, buttoned up, straight-laced, not, you know, very awards-baity. And then they cut a trailer that makes it seem much more uh, exciting. Um, yeah, that one, that one scored well, uh, witch hunter with Vin Diesel. Um, and you know, his, his name in that project increased it by about 20 or 25%. Um, but you know, that, that was one that I was surprised that was, that was, you know, scoring pretty well. I, I think on the flip side, I, I think the lowest that we saw coming up was like gem and the holograms, which is, you know, it's not entirely surprisingly, we're not talking a big, you know, big budget blockbuster. Let me um, throw two at you sure. that, um, are not necessarily looking to make, you know, $200 million, but are looking to win awards and hopefully do pretty well. Um, sure. Black Mass, the Whitey Bulger movie with yeah. Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's one. And Joy, which is David O. Russell's new movie, again with Jennifer Lawrence and Joy, Joy, we didn't run uh, at okay. this point. You know, we're we're up to Thanksgiving, basically. And we're, Enjoys you know, Christmas. Right, right. Enjoys Christmas. Um, yeah, Black Mass scored well. Now, you know, again, you know, quality is going to come into play on this, but I, I, th- I want to say it scored about a 240, 250 on our, on our metric, which means there's definitely a good amount of interest in that. And so, you know, you're, you're probably looking, you know, again, depending on quality, if it's no good, it'll bring it down. You know, you're probably looking somewhere around 20, you know, million dollar opening, something like that. And then um, if it has longer legs, that's up to them. Right, like in, right, right. In exactly. terms of execution. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's sort of why a lot of what we'll do is, you know, geared towards opening weekend box office. You can correlate, you know, our numbers or any numbers to anything, but a lot of opening weekend or, or a lot of box office uh, after opening weekend sort of depends on, you know, was this any good? Uh, Josh Lynn of Piedmont Media Research, thanks for uh, joining us on, I don't, on our cross pod. What's yeah. the point meets Andy Greenwald? Thanks. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, no, yes. thank you guys for having me. It's, it's been really cool. So, uh, 538 fans, you can subscribe to Andy's podcast in the Grantland channel. And Grantland fans, you can subscribe to What's the Point in iTunes. And then we're going to measure who sends more subscribers to the other. And I think the losing show just gets canceled. I know how much Josh charges, and I'm going to pay him to, <laughs> okay. to, to, to advise on how that's going to go. And I, I will work the numbers for you guys on that, and I will, I will let you know. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, thank you, guys. What's the Point's editor is Chadwick Matlin. Our video producer is Ryan Nantel, with help from Jordan Shulkin. Joel Werner helped mix and produce this episode. My name is Jody Avergan. I'm on Twitter, at Jody Avergan. You can email me, again, podcast at 538.com. Our music is by Rishikesh Hirway, who also hosts the excellent Song Exploder podcast. Check it out in the iTunes store. While you're there, look up What's the Point and give us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. See you soon.